Welcome to episode three of Slap the Ask Show. I'm here with my co-host, Luke Knauss, in Philadelphia. Um, this week, we're just going to talk about the market that uh, we experienced the past six days, particularly the stock market, the big boards, um, some OTC, as well as uh, what happened in the world of crypto. A lot of news, so uh, let's just get right to it. Yeah, and also let's keep in mind that nothing that we say in this show should be thought of as financial advice, buy and sell your own uh, fruition, and don't take anything we say uh, to your brokerage account. <laughs> so, uh, We're a bunch of dum-dums, so don't listen. <laughs> Although, uh, so let's talk about the, the mini market crash that happened this week, just get right into it. Yeah, well, before we get into that, I think no market uh, conversation can be done without drinking the champagne of beers. Miller High Life. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers to that. There we go. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this week, the whole big board market was kind of bumpy. Um, it right. seems like the CPI data was scary to a lot of investors. I saw it was at 4.2%, which is really, really high. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I think uh, most economists and people um, who are like looking at this data aggressively is they're kind of like in a lagging department. In that people on the ground, like people in construction, like yourself, they have been seeing the increase in commodity prices for the past right. couple of months. Like lumber and steel, for example, have been extremely high. Yeah, my friend Sal is saying copper is really high for plumbing. You know, right. all these commodity prices are going up. A couple of that with a labor shortage. It's just, you know, it's a recipe for higher prices and for increased inflation. One thing that um, I remember seeing it, uh, way back when, when you calculate inflation. People always think of inflation as basically the more money there is, the higher the inflation rate is, right? That's right. not necessarily true. Inflation is a combination of two variables, money supply and the velocity of money. So let's go back to like May of 2020. You know, we're deep in the pandemic at this point. Mm -hmm. Money supply was aggressively growing, but we saw no inflation. We might have, you could have even said we saw deflation. So the money in supply, May. yeah, in May. Remember, gas prices were like super low because right, the yes. demand was diminished. Because no one was traveling or anything. Yeah, there was no demand. So <laughs> if you look back then, money supply was super high, but there was no inflation. Right. Today, um, well, also back then, the money supply was high, but no one was spending money. The velocity of money was like stagnant. No one was going out, buying plane tickets, buying meals at restaurants, things like that. Now, the money supply is high, but the velocity of money is also coming high. People are going out more. Well, you know what's funny? I actually heard the opposite argument when I was, uh, I can't remember what I listened to it on, but they were basically saying that people are not spending money in the economy. They're not going out and they're not spending money. What they're doing is they're investing in their brokerage accounts or they're investing into these cryptocurrencies, which are leading to these artificial high prices, mm -hmm. which led up to this week. So people were pumping all of this money and all the stimulus package money, all the PPP loan money into these cryptocurrencies and penny stocks and NASDAQ stocks, S&P stocks, whatever. So it was leading to these artificially high prices, especially with tech companies that have these high valuations to begin with. Mm -hmm. So once, so the, the correction was coming basically, right? So then fear mongering came into place this week with the combination of Elon Musk and uh, whatever happened with Biden, I don't remember what it was. <clears throat> But, uh, um, I yeah, but some speech, but anyways, um, so it corrected, it was like a mini correction and ended up dropping the most it's dropped in, I don't know, months. So, yeah. And I think it's also kind of funny though. Uh, people always say like, Oh, data drops like a number of points. It's like, all right, well there's more points for it to drop. You know, percentage is really what's important. Right. Yeah. But a NASDAQ dropping 300 points today or in today's age, is not like it dropping 300 points two years ago. Right. It's all about the percentages. Well, why do you think the market dropped then? Do you think it was because of well, if I had people putting more money into these um, equities? Or do you think it's because, like what you were saying? Well, I think it's like multiple reasons. I think, one, um, a lot of investors made money in the past year, and they're almost trying to look, look to sell. You know, any sort of indication of potential harm in the economy, like higher inflation or gives them an excuse to sell. reports, gives people an excuse to sell. Um, the valuations are super high, like you were saying, for particular tech, tech companies. companies. 
Um, thing is, I think Kevin O'Leary had a pretty good perspective on that, where he said, at the end of the day, the stock market and individual stocks are based on fundamentals, right? It's all about growth and earnings. You know, we have right. these tech companies that are still growing at super high rates, particularly like Zoom. But they don't have earnings. Well, no, now they're getting earnings. Like, Zoom is profitable now. Yeah, they're yeah. profitable, but is it still is it reflective of what their actual valuation is? Well, I guess it depends on what multiple you want to use. But if you think about it, like the Zoom stock was higher several months ago than it is today, but the earnings are better today than they were several months ago. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, so. no, I, I saw on Twitter, like, in the trading boulevard group I'm in, I think this one guy, I can't remember what stock it was, but he's in the stock, and they had earnings, and they were extremely profitable, they did very well, and the stock plummeted. So it's like... Do, do earnings, do fundamentals, like we were saying the other week, really matter that much when you're investing into these stocks? Yeah. It's, it's, almost, it's hard to find entry points now. Yeah, I think it is a little harder to find entry points. Especially, especially with the, the tech boards. stocks and the big boards. Yeah. yeah, tech stocks and the big boards. I think, again, it's all about the time horizon, right? Uh -huh. um, stocks have risen a lot recently in the past 12 months. Yeah. How long are you willing to stay in? Yeah, how long are you willing to stay in? What price point are you trying to enter now? Um but again, to Kevin O'Leary's point, it's like, this digital age is, it's not going anywhere. No. Zoom is not going to suddenly die because of the open economy and people returning to office. It's going to be around for, you know, the rest of time. Yeah, right? Also, less people are going to be returning to the office, too. Yeah, exactly. So so I think the stock market, again, it's, it's a lot of emotions at play. Um, so I wouldn't say that the correction that we experienced this week, like the, the dips that we had, are any indication of anything that is totally wrong with the economy or totally wrong with particular tech stocks because that's what really fell. Right. I think it's a combination of there is bad news about the general economy. Inflation is super high. Job market's not adding jobs at the rate we should be adding. Two negative things. Right. And um, people just aren't going back to work. In general. Well, yeah, why would they? They're getting all these great unemployment benefits um, right. and things like that. So those two things are creating a more... As in, the economists are expecting those numbers to be better than they actually came out to be, right? It's always about under-promising over-deliver. If you over-promise and under-deliver, which the jobs report and the CPI data did, bad news for the economy, bad news for the market. Yeah. Um, I think it's my a, point with Joe Biden, the speech. I was like, I couldn't remember what the factor was from the Fed, but it was because of the jobs report. Okay, yeah. So I think it was a combination of the jobs report and... Just fear-mongering in general with overvaluation. Oh, well, yeah, I know the administration was saying how they don't think the unemployment benefits that they're giving to workers is affecting the jobs market, which I mean, most people is. could say is false. Yeah, I mean, it's I, mean I know probably false. five people personally who are choosing not to go back to work because of the PPP benefits and whatnot. I mean, why would you? Yeah. You know, I mean, especially if your job is, like, paying you, like, $12 an hour, you're making more on unemployment. Might as well keep on collecting that. But I guess yeah. back to the market overall, you know, corrections happen. Things, it's not like the end of the world. Um, sucks if you're at options, polling though, I guess, this week. <laughs> but um, I think Kevin O'Leary has a good perspective on it. Growth is still there for a lot of these tech companies, and earnings are there as well. So I think the longs are still strong. Um, I think everyone will be fine. And I think me and you, I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I mean, I was, you know, pretty red consistently throughout those few days, but Friday ended up, you know, having a nice little rebound, I think. Yeah. With NASDAQ, Dow, you know, they all closed up. Mm-hmm. So. so I think let's pivot to OTC now. Um, well, do, well, do you want to talk about Elon Musk quick? Well, yeah. Sweet? I could, or do you want to talk about OTC? Well, I feel first? like that would be crypto, right? All right, we'll do OTC first. Okay, yeah. Right. OTC. Um, so I think OTC this week, you know, there are some winners, some losers. GGII had a great week. Last Friday closed under $0.05. Cents. This week it's around ten. A little more variable this week though. Yeah, I mean it's still up a hundred percent for the week. If you really well, yeah, feel like well, that. yeah. <laughs> Granted, it hit a high. Day to day fluctuations. Yeah, it hit a high of seventeen cents, but for the week still finished over hundred percent. Um, GVSI, play that we're Close green. Yeah. I well, mean, what was close green for the week? I think a Tuesday it was at like. Uh, what was it? It was over five cents at one point. Well, it hit uh, six over six cents. Hit point oh six oh five. Right. Um, and then and then it closed on Friday at point oh four one seven. Yep. So I mean, last Friday it was point oh three two one. So you know that's a thirty three percent increase essentially from that point. Yeah. Um, again, that's another play. Just waiting for the George Sharp custodianship, which brings us to our next point. Humble. Today's tweet. Yeah, George Sharp uh, resigned as a humble advisor. 
Um, why do you Why do you think he resigned as an advisor? Well, he said that he kind of disagreed with some of the decisions management was making. Um, but on top of that, um, he said he's still buying the stock on the market. He still believes in Brian Foote. He calls him the Elon Musk of blockchain. It's pretty uh, generous claim to make. So he's still saying that he believes in him and yeah, he resigned as an advisor. Yeah, he basically said that his advice he was giving to the company, they weren't really using. <laughs> they weren't really no, using. Okay, so this is a, a dangerous territory because there's a lot of OTC shareholders at Humble. I mean, it was one of the biggest runs of you know the last year in the OTC. Well, it was the biggest run, I think, ever. in the OTC ever. Yeah, in like over 500,000%. <laughs> right. So what would you say to Humble shareholders right now? I mean, what did it drop to? It's like at 90 cents? I didn't look at what it. It closed at a dollar on Friday. I'm not exactly sure. I don't hold any Humble. So um, it closed at a dollar? I think it's around a dollar, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where... That's cheap, though. I mean... Well, the valuation's still over a billion dollars. It's like 1.5 billion market cap, something like that right now. Yeah, but it's at one high. point it was, you know, over $8 a share. I know. Well, yeah, I mean, it... So... Yeah, I mean, it's a good buy point. It's one of those things where, you know, I think the company... I mean, I don't really know anything about the company, honestly. What reporting do they have? That's I don't true. really see them. Uh, when Brian Foote was interviewed on CNBC, didn't really give too many... Uh, revenue numbers like uh, the host was asking yeah. him all he said was that we have a lot of new users signed up for mm -hmm. the application i think the idea i believe in the idea a lot i think that what they're trying to do is really cool and i think it will be a huge benefit to a lot of people throughout the world particularly in the developing world where um mobile banking and non-traditional financial institutions exist right so i think it is a good concept i think it's something worth um you know, looking, into. looking into and things like that, but the valuation is super high. I think and right now, if you're looking at risk reward ratio and what you can get higher payoffs on, I think the GVSIs are a, there's more potential upside. Yeah, RETC, GGII, people -E love GGII. You know, tobacco is a trillion dollar market, and they're trying to disrupt it with hemp based cigarettes. I think it's a really cool concept. Sean Ryan, our good buddy, he picked up some GGII. Did he? Yeah. Um, you know, so that's nice to hear. I don't have any myself. I think if it goes below seven cents, I'll try to scoop some up. Right. In well, hindsight, I should have picked it up on Monday because we were talking about it last week. I was like, this is going to be a runner. But. Right. <laughs> well, what I was saying the other day is what, what do people like in the OTC, right? I feel like people in the OTC, they like, they like outspoken CEOs mm -hmm. who are willing to talk about the company, constantly push out PRs like LTNC like GGII, like, I mean, there's others. I just can't mm -hmm. think of them right now. But they like people with outspoken CEOs who are going to essentially pump the stock. Mm -hmm. And what they also like is they like a physical product. They like a product that you can post, that you can take pictures of, that you can put out on social media. You can use. That you can yeah. use, that you can buy. Yeah, you can drink the can of hydrogen. You can smoke the hemp cigarette. Yeah, you know? and I'm saying, I think a lot of other OTC CEOs can take a lot of notes on what GGII did. Well, it's also... Master marketing, and they've got a lot of sales out of it. I mean, how many investors are buying hemp cigarettes now? Yeah, probably a bunch. A lot. But yeah. I guess another thing you have to remember about the OTC is, a lot of it, I feel like, is scams. You know, companies go on the OTC to raise capital. Right? That's that's the whole reason why a company will go public to begin with, is to raise capital. Well, you got to be careful, yeah. Well, you can pump your stock, and then boom, dilute it, sell shares on the open market, give the company more money, things like that. That's so why you have to pick. You have to really do your DD and understand who's running it and the management group. <coughs> well, that's why going back to the uh, interview with Bill Stocks, I mean, dilution is one of the major factors that he looks at. Yeah. As someone who's been in the game for you know fifteen plus years, when you're investing in stocks with dilution, like we were talking about, how I'm in a uh, INCT. INCT, is it really, really, really hinders the stock price? Yeah, you gotta be careful. History of convertible notes, yeah. Especially another thing that um, Bill and other like experienced OTC traders are looking at, particularly with this one stock that everyone's hyping up as well, which I think is a good one, UATG, is how what is the outstanding shares versus what's the authorized shares. If the outstanding is very close to what the authorized share amount is, then there really can't be much dilution. Right. You know? So that's another good thing to look into in when you are investing in OTC stocks. If there's a stock with, even if it's like, you know, Let's say it's an outstanding share of a billion. Say it's like not even, say it's half a penny. 
but the authorized share is five billion. There's a lot of room for dilution along the way up, and the management you know will start diluting as the stock price goes up. They'd be stupid not to. You gotta raise capital. You have to give the company money by selling shares in the open market. That's the whole point of going public. Yeah. But if the OS and the AOS are very close, or if they're maxed out, that's a great stock to get into because it's more, you know, you you don't run the risk of dilution. Okay. Well, speaking of raising capital from an OTC perspective, what are your thoughts on a forward split? Well, forward split is uh, interesting. I mean, that's what uh, a lot of people want for Vermonti to happen. Right, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw Tesla forward split this year, Apple's forward split this year. I mean, forward splitting is generally supposed to create more liquidity mm-hmm. for the stock. Well, here's my thought on it, right? So in the OTC, when you're buying a stock, most OTC investors... They want to pick sub-penny runners or, you know, penny, two-penny, three-penny stocks that they think are going to run to a dollar, right? They say everything's going to run to a dollar. Yeah, that's what everyone says, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, if you do a forward split on a stock that has, like, a dollar, you know, share price, like Vermonti, and you do a forward split, and now all of a sudden it's one cent a share, there's going to be a lot more investors pouring into that stock. And there's only a $28 million float now. So the float only will be like what a billion then? Not still not that well, high. Like two point eight billion. Two point eight yeah. billion. Mm-hmm. So it's still not that high. So it's going to drive a lot of new investors, and your shares that are now broken up are going to get a lot. There's going to be a lot more volume in that stock, and it's going to increase. Yeah. I so mean, I'm I'm very pro the idea of forward split. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Not, not obviously for a stock that's like ten cents or something. But. Right. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> people are. I mean, there's a lot of speculation that Amazon might forward split soon. Just to get more people to buy it. I guess it's more intimidating to buy a stock that's three thousand dollars than three hundred or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I guess Apple's word, done it. Apple's done many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but never forward split, it'd be hundreds of thousands of dollars a share. Um yep. but yeah, forward split's good. Reverse split, very bad. Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Humble did, right? They reverse split. Yeah, I love how the the uh, management of INCT keeps tweeting, we will not be doing a reverse split. And I'm like, great. That shouldn't have even been a thought <laughs> to pay off all of your uh, convertible notes. Well, so, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the idea of reverse splits, right? Say, like, you know, if you're on the NASDAQ or something, or you want to get to the NASDAQ, you have to maintain a certain bid price. Mm-hmm. If your stock gets too low, you reverse split, make the share uh, structure tighter to theoretically drive up the price of the share, but then people just start shorting it again and drops even further. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, uh, from a technical standpoint, reverse splits usually like a last resort. It's never a good thing. In my opinion, never yeah. a good thing to reverse split. Dilu- dilution and reverse splits, not good. Yeah. Um, so another thing I want to talk about in the OTC, kind of going back to Vermonti, is this week we kind of, uh, you know, one thing I was saying is live and die by the low float. You know, low floats are great in that when volume comes in on the buy side, drives the price way up. But on the flip side of that, volume comes in on the sell side. Drives the volume down. the price way, way down. down, yeah. Yeah, I think we saw probably the worst day the Monty's had in months. months. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's, I mean, generally it was a gradual gain till February and then kind of a gradual decline with a plateau for a while. Mm-hmm. And now we saw it go below a dollar for the first time in, I think, like three months. Yeah, I mean, now it's sitting at 81 cents. Um, it's a great buyer opportunity, you know. personally. Yeah. I mean, so- obviously do your own research, but... Yeah, I mean, I think going forward this week, I'm going to try and, yeah, I'm going to look at GVSI a lot. I have 200,000, 210,000 shares of it right now, hoping to, uh, you know, see that start to move when the filings come out. Uh, I want to add to my Vamonti position. I also opened a position on Friday in TGRR, um, you told me Tiger that. Reef. Um, Small position, right? Yeah, I only put in 750 bucks, got 500,000 shares. So that stock, it's like a Caribbean restaurant chain. You know, interesting. Um, I guess the idea is there's a lot of twofold. talk about it though. Yeah, it's like a twofold thing. So one, um, they have a court date regarding their bankruptcy hearing on May twenty uh, May twenty sixth. So that's you know two Tuesdays from now. Right. Um, the idea is hopefully as we get closer to the court date, more volume will begin to flood in to stock, which is good. I mean, I was looking into it more. Um, company probably will do some sort of note if I had to guess. There's a lot of speculation also that um, a venture capital firm is going to inject money into it after, yeah, that would be a good sign. after the 26th. I don't know much about this company at all, to be honest. Yeah, how, many, like, how many uh, restaurants or whatever do they have? 
I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. It's kind of like a, it was like a technical play on my part, whereas the technicals looked pretty good. The ask is super thin. Um, so if there is buy pressure that comes in, which is the idea is being close to the fourth date, more buying pressure will come in. It should send up the price. Right. Um, I want it as a quick flip, and then maybe I'll hold half through um, to see you know where it goes and see if this venture capital firm actually does come in and you know take a stake in the company and start funding it to expand its operations. Yeah, that would be big. Yeah, I mean, it's an opening up play too, right? More people are going to start traveling again. Ideas at restaurants. Yeah. A little risk again. too. I mean, yeah, it was a very, I only put in like $750,000 into that company. Or, no, $750,000, not $750,000. For $500,000. That'd be a lot of money, Jimmy. Yeah, no, yeah, that's <laughs> not doing that. Um, so that, that's a new position I opened up on Friday. Obviously, holding Vermont, you're going to add holding GVSI. Um, not going to add at this point unless it were to dip probably below like three and a half cents. I think at this point, it's it seems to be pretty stable in the high threes, low fours. Um, yeah, I think if there's a dip opportunity hours. below like three five, I'd definitely be adding. Mm-hmm. Are you mean, would, yep, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think I added, I added at like four cents at a limit order, and then I added again at point zero three five, mm-hmm. like a little over a week ago. So we're both green, but you know, I I think anywhere around four cents, you're you're not getting a bad buy based yeah. on what's happened so far. Yeah, and again, I guess hope ideally maybe George Sharp no longer his advisor, maybe. Focusing more on this, who knows? He's got a lot of custodian ships coming in. He's got like and five, yeah, right? RETC, this other one, um, uh, Goff, right? G O F F. He's uh, applying. He put in a court like a uh, custodian ship application for. Um, so there's a lot of places that Sharp seems to be involved in. BMO's hyping them up. Yeah, I mean uh, they're getting Sox a lot of Pilgrim is interested in them. Yeah, this guy they both made. I think I saw BMO. He was up like four hundred fifty thousand dollars on Friday. Sock Pilgrim had multiple hundred thousand dollar days. He was hard. he was preaching GGII for a while now. Sock Pilgrim's good for them. Good for them. Sock Pilgrim is killing it lately. Yeah, and congrats to Bimo on the wedding. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sock has been killing it. His following has grown a lot, I and mean, he's got good place. He knows. Well, you know what I say? You know, you have all of these these Twitter profiles, right? Mm-hmm. And people are tweeting all their plays, but the guys that blow up at the end of the day are the guys that are making people money. They're mm-hmm. giving out good calls, and they make people money. Yep. And, you know, they're going to obviously have bad calls, but, I mean, you look at BMO and Sox Pilgrim, they're probably the two most talked about accounts right now because they were in GGII and GVSI, like, sub-penny. Yeah. yeah. Why? I don't know, because, I mean, there was no sign of custodianship for George Sharp or anything, but I guess they saw potential, or I don't know what they saw, but... Yeah, well... They saw it, clearly. Yeah, so. Um, Shamar is another good guy on Twitter a lot. Uh, I like a lot. Um, he's called a lot of great winners. Um, has he? Yeah, he, he's a great follow for everyone out there. I got to look at what his exact profile is. Bill Stocks always has good calls. Yeah, Bill Stocks. Low risk great calls. Too. Yep. Um, so the fact that all those guys are like are into GBSI kind of gives me a little bit more confidence, right? I mean, I guess it's kind of it's a pro and con of FinTwit, right? It's the confirmation bias. So you have all these pumpers are in the stock with you. Pumpers is like it's like almost a derogatory term though. They're more just people who with large followings who invest in the Let's stock. Let's just be honest. If you're investing in a stock, you're gonna tweet about it. Yeah. You're not not gonna tweet about it or post about it because you're investing in it. That's like you're doing a public if that, service. If that's called pumping, then I don't you know Yeah, I mean, I mean if, you, if you're tweeting about it and selling right after, it's different. But how much is that really gonna affect it, you know, when yeah. there's multiple billion float? I mean that's why I wrote on Twitter though, right? If you're it, on Twitch because you want to see what other people are playing. You want to see what's hot, what's getting momentum. So yeah. I think it's more, it's a net benefit, 100%. Um, and anyway, though, I like that these guys are in those plays. And, you know, it's uh, it's nice to have that, uh, I guess, that energy, you know, when the hype of those stocks. Um, so we talked about GGI, we talked about GVSI, we talked about Vamonti, talked about the other George uh, Sharp custodianship plays. Mm-hmm. What other OTC tickers were hot this week? UATG was a big one. UATG, we talked about that. Taiwan Airlines was huge. Oh, yeah. TANF, right? T-A-W-N-F. Yeah, I talk, I was talking to you a little bit about that. That's an interesting one because they were well over a dollar um, a few weeks ago. And now I think they're at like, what were they at? Well, I think they closed on Friday at like 22 cents. But back in February... But they made a huge run, too. Yeah. They were up like 60% from like one day. I mean, this the week day. they were hot. Um, back in February, I think the stock was at like $0.13. Cents, ran into $6 in the same day. 
of three thousand percent in a day. How much did it drop after that? I mean, clearly it dropped down to you know back to ten cents or whatever. But it seems people are buying into the momentum again. Everyone's sold. Yeah, there should be yeah. news coming up soon for the company to get like reinstated. Um, I have to look into that more. That might be a good point. Yeah, I believe it's the third largest airline for Taiwan. Interesting. Um, and again, opening up play could be good. I think I have to double check on what exactly is the main catalyst for it because I haven't really been paying attention too much to it. But again, it's going. It's, going it's too green to not pay. Attention. I think the main catalyst is that it was. It was so high, and now it's so low, and people bought in because nothing, no, none of the company fundamentals that I could see have changed. I think it's a bankruptcy play also, though. I really? think it's emerging out of bankruptcy. I, I mean, again, again, I have to double check, but that, again, that was like one of those, I don't have an official scanner. My scanner is Twitter. I should get a fucking scanner. I should get a scanner because I think it would be very useful to have. But um, that play, I mean, it's so green. You got Apps to Large tweeting about it. Shamar's on it. I mean, everyone is just talking about it. Huge mm -hmm. green week. So yeah, that's a big one. UATG, people like it's a it's a company that goes into a lot of different business verticals. We're doing like aeronautics, biotech, um, a whole bunch of business avenues. They think potential revenues could be at five hundred million, which is insane. CEOs talk about goals of going to Nasdaq, and again, authorized shares are pretty much maxed out, or the outstanding shares are pretty much that maxed out to the authorized shares. So it's another good buying opportunity. It seems like people are really uh, into it. I think it's that like. Four cents right now, ish. Wow, give or take a couple cents. So, people that's are really looking at that one. UATG, right? Yeah, UATG. That's an exciting right. one. Um, beyond that, I mean, my VNU, new, VNUE, VNUE was down at like <coughs> I think 0.016, extremely low float. We talked about this last week. Um, the uh, CEO sold a company previously to Mark Cuban. Uh, they do like radio and like sound systems for, uh, I don't know, like the Tampa Bay area, like okay. Clearwater. They're expanding. So I think that's a good one to look at too. Okay, cool. I gotta do more research on that one. But. Yeah, I think, yeah, for this week for OTC, like upcoming, I kind of like describe my plays more just watching GVSI, looking for an entry to GGII, looking to add VMNT, and looking for an entry into UATG. I think those are that's kind of what my focus is this week on the OTC. Again, things could change. TAWNF, that could present a good opportunity as well. It seems like people are very <coughs> into that stock. Gotta look into that one more. But that's something I'll be looking at a lot aggressively. Um, I think, though, again, this week, a lot of my focus, or just what I've been paying attention to, has been crypto. It seems like that's kind of a, <laughs> what a yeah, lot of people Yeah, I mean, crypto, crypto took a little bit of a hit after... The Elon Musk post about Bitcoin, mm -hmm. clean energy. He's saying that, you know, he's not going to invest in Bitcoin because it requires so much electricity to mine. And they're using coal to burn for electricity and to mine Bitcoin. And, I mean, it seems like a lot of institutional investors are concerned about that. Yeah, well, Musk, he said he still believes in crypto. And he said he's, Tesla's still going to hold their Bitcoin. But they're not going to accept it as payment right. for Tesla cars anymore. So, it's kind of funny, though, because it's kind of a BS argument, in my opinion. I think a lot of people would agree. Like, he's known this for a long time. Yeah, exactly. He's known that it, it requires a lot of electricity to mine. Yeah. Bitcoin. Ton. And also, you have to, like, remember, you know, I like, I don't hate billionaires like a lot of people do. They say, like, oh, no one should be a billionaire. I don't agree with that. But billionaires get to become billionaires because they are self-serving people. You know, Musk right. tweets control the market. If he tweets out, Tesla's not going to accept Bitcoin, Bitcoin's going to tank. Maybe he presents himself with a buying opportunity. Musk knows he's going to tweet about Dogecoin before he actually does it, right? So why not buy more Dogecoin? And then he's going to tweet, and it's going to go up. Especially these unregulated well, that, spaces that, like crypto. You can easily <laughs> manipulate it. That's like what I was going to say. Influence. It is technically market manipulation. 100%. But with crypto, it's unregulated. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the worst they can do is like block his Twitter for a couple weeks or something. But then again, what's he doing that's illegal, though? There's no regulation against it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the justification for that? <coughs> right. Well, going back to uh, uh, clean or virgin coins, I was listening to a Kevin O'Leary video, and he's only investing... He's investing in the mining companies that are American-based that mine Bitcoin uh, cleanly. So they use clean energy to mine these Bitcoins. Mm -hmm. And his theory is that there's going to be two markets for cryptocurrencies in the future. 
there's going to be Chinese companies that mine these coin, burning coal, very bad for the environment, pollution. And there's also going to be these virgin coins, which are mined cleanly using renewable energy. So his theory is that institutional investors don't want to invest in these coins because of the environmental impacts. Elon Musk was the first major example that came out and said he's not going to buy Bitcoin because they're burning coal to mine these coins. Now, whether or not there's an ethereal motive to that, like you were saying, probably was. Mm -hmm. But do you think that they'll eventually, you'll be able to trace where these coins are coming from? Because right now there's blockchain to see when they're bought and whatnot, but you don't know where they came from. Yeah, that's kind of funny to me. I think maybe in the crypto space that could be a thing. But the way you see it, the whole point of Bitcoin is the untraceability of it. I mean, you look at the, the pipeline the ransomers. You know, they were paid $5 million by Colonial Pipeline in crypto to be untraceable, you know? Yeah. These hackers hacked it, and they... It takes away the whole DeFi... Well, it takes back the whole position. point of cryptocurrency. Um, I mean, my personal opinion is I kind of disagree with the leader on this part just because... I mean, if you believe in... Bitcoin, I mean, I'm not arguing for it. I'm just saying that's what Kevin O'Leary is doing. I think and it, that's clearly what Elon Musk thinks, too. Two very influential, wealthy people are saying that that is impacting institutional investment into these coins. Yeah. And people I, are pulling out large amounts of money. I, I could see that being um, with the mining companies itself. Like, you look at something like Riot Blockchain or Mara. Um, right. You know, the methods they mine, maybe that will determine how institu institutions will invest in them. But if you really think about like what's the, the core concept of Bitcoin, right? What's it's the idea? No traceability. It? It's no traceability. It's supposed to be for economic empowerment, right? It's the idea that right now, if, say, Iran wanted to buy a Boeing airplane, they couldn't. It's sanctioned. You cannot buy something well, from Well, it's Iran. also interesting, then because how do you determine, is one Bitcoin then worth less than another Bitcoin? Right? If one is mined... You know, cleanly. Cleanly. Is that worth more than the other coin? Or is it just certain institutions are only w willing to buy that? But if, if more money is willing to buy those coins, then theoretically they will have more value, right? But then... But you can't trace them. So it's like, yeah, is, is this all just in vain? I mean, I kind of think so. I mean, I think Bitcoin <laughs> is something where the whole point of it is the untraceability, right? The whole point is the... You don't need permission to transact right yeah, I agree. you don't have to go through a visa or a bank or whatever or have to worry about sanctions on countries purchasing <coughs> something so i i mean i think it could be a being i mean who knows i think the idea of it's cool i think it would help the mining companies themselves i mean i could see o'leary or someone who's like more conscious about the environment when it comes to bitcoin mining investing money into a mining company that's based in let's just say oregon well that's, that's what he's doing solar panels. he's investing into the mining company and then getting a commission on those coins that are mined in virgin coin, as they call it. To that point, though, I don't see <laughs> how that Bitcoin could be worth less or more than a Bitcoin that's mined with coal power. Because it's the same China. thing. It's the same coin. Right. Yeah, so, it's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting right. perspective. I think it's something let's, to uh, talk about. Let's move on to other coins. What Matic, do you talk about first? Matic. Matic had a great week. Um, shout out to The Real Din. That dude has been calling crypto... Like, it's his job. He's been killing it. He's been killing it. I remember the real Din messaged me on Twitter. I said, I said, I'm getting into cryptocurrency. This was like a month ago. What coin should I buy? Matic was one of his top recommendations. I bought Matic at like 0.32. It's at like $1.70 something, $1.80 now. Granted, I sold early. I'm an idiot. I don't know why I sold. I mean, I made money. You got to have your profits, whatever. Mm -hmm. But Jimmy ended up buying in like the 90s. And now you've almost doubled your money. Yeah, I bought in at 0.83-ish. Yeah. And I'm still holding. I mean, one thing I like about Matic right now, and again, it's kind of information from the real DIN, is apparently there's a an exchange shortage, whereas the exchanges themselves don't have enough coins to facilitate the transactions, the buys and sells. Right. So the idea is that's driving up the price, because now the exchange has to get coins on there. They have to pay higher so that people can actually facilitate the transactions. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I wonder how long this run's going to continue. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, it's cracked the top 20 coins finally. It's the first L2 coin to do so. Market cap right now is at, like, I think there's um there's 10 billion authorized coins or 10 billion coins out there that could ever be. Not a ton. Not a ton, but, like, tokenomics say 
theoretically the max price we could assume at this point in time based on usage and based on the Polygon network is like five dollars because I mean that would be a fifty billion dollar market cap. So the idea yeah. is that's kind of so maybe not like the best entry point now, but still you know yeah, yeah, good this, upside potential. Yeah, and I think it's kind of funny like when you look at like squeezes, right? One thing about stocks. Stocks are squeezed generally because there's a lot of short interest, right? The more more stocks shorted, the more potential is to squeeze up. I saw the GameStop and AMC and a bunch of others earlier in the year. It seems like with crypto, uh, a part of a squeeze is just the lack of <coughs> availability on exchanges. So people are buying these tokens, they're buying Matic, and then they're transferring them to their wallets or to like you know pancake swapping, whatever, doing whatever they can to stake them. So that way they're like, you know, loading them out and building, uh, getting more Matic coins in the process. So right. they're taking off the exchange. And once they're off the exchange, the exchange has to buy more in order to facilitate the transactions. Drives the price And it's kind of driving the price up, which yeah. it's kind of funny. Like that's, uh, again, that's like just different element of the crypto market versus the stock it's market. It's different. It's, it's, there's different ways to analyze it. I think it's harder to analyze crypto. Mm-hmm. But once you start to learn those different things... It, it starts to become a little a little easier mm-hmm. to find entry points. Yeah, totally. So, Matic had a good week. Cardano had a good week as well. I think it's like two dollars twenty five cents right now. Ethereum's down a little bit. Ethereum's down. I mean, it's still over th- four thousand, right? No, I think it was like thirty seven something. Ouch! Dang, I didn't realize it dropped that much. Yeah, not that much, but I mean, thing with like Ethereum, Bitcoin, those coins, they feel like they're going to rebound for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Nate. He's one of the guys that works at Bellops with me. And he's super into crypto. And his strategy is he always tries to buy, like, the super sub-penny ones, like Shiba Inu, or he bought Doge way back. Like, well, the problem with Shiba is when a billionaire investor mm. sells a billion dollars worth of Shiba. Oh, yeah, he donates it. Granted, so. it was for a good cause, so no one could really get that mad at him. Yeah. So actually, that screwed a lot of people. Well, that's an interesting uh, point to bring up. So I thought Shiba, the developers of it, had actually a great idea where they basically gave half of the supply of the tokens to the Ethereum founder to hold. And the idea was people now were buying tokens based off what was in his wallet. Like this guy holding Shiba, that kind of right price. I mean, if you look back... It like takes back out January, the float, if that's what yeah. you want to call it. I mean, so it was driving prices up. I mean, you saw and things then were crazy. he goes all of a sudden and sells a billion dollars worth of uh, Shiba. He donates it to the corona cause in India. And... Well, I, I think it brings us to a good point, because a lot of these cryptocurrencies, like... Five percent of, or like five percent of holders in the coin own like ninety nine percent of the coin. So retail investors don't really hold that much crypto relative to what these ultra high net worth individuals have in these coins. Or the people that create the coin. Right. I think that was the issue with Doge is when it hit like point seven, like a little over point seven. These high net worth investors they sold a ton of their coins. Retail investors didn't know matter how much they were holding or how much they wanted to invest. It drives the price down. People panic. They sell, and it drops. Granted, it's found a base, and now it's rising again. You know, it's fluctuating around like 0.4, 0.5. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you got to be careful. I mean, it's the same thing with stocks, too. I mean, yeah, generally, the institutional investors are holding the majority of shares. Yeah, I mean, the CEO, so. like, you, you also want to see that, right? You want to see a stock where the CEO owns... A lot of shares because that means he has a Confidence large in interest in the company. Yeah. yeah, so and share restrictions on selling. Yeah, big one too. Well, to the point the crypto, there's no restrictions. Again, it's a very unregulated space. It's not like oh, this company or the CEO, the developer of Shiba Inu is now bound to hold his coins for a year before he starts selling. Now you can sell whenever you want, right? That's the whole. Yeah. It, it's like kind of what. Uh, so it Warren, makes it good and what makes it bad. Yeah, I mean it's an unregulated space, but it allows for. A lot of speculation. And one thing I thought was kind of funny, um, not really funny, it was more like thought-provoking, but this guy tweeted on Twitter how, you know, this younger millennial generation are the most educated, but they oh, don't I have much that. wealth. He's a guy on CNBC. Yeah, and they don't Whatever have much name. wealth relative to the older generations who are, you know, less educated generally, less uh, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, things like that. And I guess his thesis was it explains why people are more willing to buy into these more speculative assets in order to catch up you know right because they they have say you graduate from college you have like a hundred thousand dollars in debt and you're seeing all these people on twitter on whatever social media making tons of money on these cryptocurrencies you're like okay well i'm gonna buy ten thousand dollars worth of dogecoin hopefully 10x my money 
and then pay off my student loans. Like yeah. you're, you're starting from, you're starting from behind. Mm-hmm. You're starting at a loss. You're starting with a negative net worth when you enter the workforce. Yeah. So why not take these chances? Because money is not real to these college graduates. It's 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 this thing on their bank account that they owe a ton of money to uh, college or university or, or a car loan or the government. <laughs> well, the government technically, yeah. yeah. And they're trying to find ways to make up this this deficit. So he's like, can you really blame them for no. wanting to make all this money in these cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I don't blame them at all. And again, like, and it's pumping a lot of money into these cryptocurrencies. Yeah, and again, it's like what Mark Cuban was talking about today, it's all about just kind of at this point, crypto has kind of proven that it is going to be around. Um, it's just all about utility. What is the utility Usage. of these coins? How are these coins going to actually be used in everyday life? And what, what's going to be their function? And that's what really the winners and losers going to be. I mean, it's kind of like the internet. Capital the same thing. Yeah. I mean, look at the internet back in the 90s. If you were an internet company, you were getting funded. You were getting people buy your stock because everyone's like, internet is going to be something. <coughs> some, are, some companies are going to win, some companies are going to lose. But in the process, everyone's going to ride that wave up. Right. And then there's going to be the ones that emerge and the ones that die. And I think we're kind of in the midst of that in crypto right now. Well, that's if that if you think cryptocurrency will be the future currency of the earth. Or even that, not even necessarily the currency of the earth, but like has some or sort of utility. Or it has some sort of utility, yeah. Right, like if you believe that NFTs are going to be a thing where people are going to start purchasing art that's digital. Then you should invest in Ethereum. Right. So it's all about what the use case of each particular coin is going to be. Um, and that's kind of what people are trying to prove. And that's, I guess, the argument against these quote-unquote shit coins is that something like SafeMoon has done an amazing job rising up, and the people who developed it are really good at promoting the coin itself. But what's the end goal? Like, what's the usage going to be? Of? How are you going to be able to use that coin for real life? All right, like, what's the situation? actual point of owning that coin? You know, what does it do for you? Yeah. And I think people are still trying to figure that out. And, you know, some coins, I mean, we know Bitcoin... Is being used for transactions. Granted, it's not ideal for transactions, and it's also being considered sort of value. Well, Ethereum, that's where Ethereum comes in because you can use it for these uh, contracts to facilitate deals. Yeah, and it's quicker and mm-hmm. easier to use. All right, and again, that kind of goes to Chamath. Uh, I forget his last name is very. Papa Theo, whatever. Yeah, but he has you know his theory is the idea of uh, like a use case coin is going to be. A stable coin backed by fiat or some other asset to be used in transactions. So I mean, it's it is a, an exciting space right now. I'm starting to love it. I think crypto is super exciting. Um, you just got to have a stomach for it. And I'll tell you this earlier this week, but the pros and cons of crypto. I love that the market's open 24 seven, but I also hate how the market's open 24 yeah. seven because Saturday night and Sunday morning or something, you're kind of just chilling, whatever. And you can see your portfolio is like, holy crap, it dropped 25% or it's up, you know. There's no resting. There's no resting. It's funny. I saw uh, Atlan or Sixth Sense, who, uh, quick disclaimer, is going to be our guest for next week. He retweeted a guy who, uh, he was like, the bad part about crypto is when you're drinking on a Saturday night and and it's 2 a.m. and you can still buy Dogecoin. (laughs) And he's like, I just dropped 10K into Dogecoin at 2 a.m. I woke up to like a ten percent loss. I was like, I was like, maybe the market hours are nine thirty to four for a reason. <laughs> Monday through Friday, because yeah. you don't want to work all the time or so. deal with the volatility. Well, that yeah, I mean, it's exciting though. It's kind of cool, and it's a really global market, right? You can yeah. anyone can buy, whether you're in China or India or Brazil, yeah, you know, anywhere in the world, you can buy these coins. So it's exciting. Um, so I guess my coins I'm looking into right now. I'm gonna hold my Matic. Um, one, it's kind of been stagnant. I like um, One Harmony. Also, the thing with One Harmony is they were up like 20% from yesterday to today. I think they're up at like 13% now. They're around 13 to 14 cents. Mm-hmm. But um, <coughs> I like that coin. It seems like they have some real good uh, use cases for that coin coming up. So Well, um, one thing I like also is the uh, the CEO of Harmony Protocol. He's a, a Penn engineering grad. Oh, he has a master's of pen, yeah, so I'm a little biased in that regard. Fellow alum. Yeah, <laughs> so I like that. Um, Cardano, I think I want to open a position. They're using it for education in Ethiopia to track, like, attendance or something. I, I mean, I got to look more hey, into that. Hey, at they for something. Right, yeah, they're developing. And that, that's the big point, again, of, like, these crypto and, the, like, the blockchain technology is 
it's really for, it seems like the developing world without these strong institutions in place. And the United States and Europe and like a lot of these other developed nations has already well-established institutions. Granted, they could be improved upon, but they exist. Whereas in the developing world, so, institutions are much weaker. To get around these institutional regulations, do you think that stablecoin is a way to allow these banks to process transaction across borders using well, stablecoins? Well, one thing um, that Warren Burke was talking about, he's the uh, like one of these uh, business Software developer, developer yeah. at Vermonti, is um, in the United States, for example, like a lot of the marijuana companies are coming into place because you know it's legalized in a bunch of states. But they have issues with their POS because all money and banking is federally regulated. So it's kind of hard for them to hold bank accounts because, you know, it's a federal regulation and marijuana is still illegal at the federal level. So one point of the USDV, like their stablecoin, is to facilitate transactions in that regard. And they can hold these coins in the, their digital wallet as opposed to holding them in or you, as well as opposed to holding a bank in a bank, which they can't do because yeah. it's illegal. That's why you have all these crypto wallets now. Yeah, and again, Kathy Wood's big thing is she loves digital wallets. And I think digital wallets are a great, great thing. Um, I think that's a very big future technology. And again, it's like kind of what Mark, you was saying before. It's like, you know, you have to have this adoption phase, right? Like think about the cell phone. Back in the day, only the super rich had cell phones. Now it's like you can't imagine life without a cell phone. If you did not have yeah. an iPhone... Your life, like, how would you do work? How would you do your job? How would you do anything? It'd be much more difficult. Yeah. So I guess the hope is, for some of these coins, is the crypto technology. How um, would you do life without them? Because there's real situations where you would need these coins mm -hmm. to process transactions. Transactions or do attendance in Ethiopia for schooling. <laughs> you know, it's like, whatever yeah. it may be. So it's exciting, but I guess back to what I'm looking at. Holding Matic. Looking to open a position at ADA, Cardano. Um, holding one, maybe adding, depending on how the price looks. And as far as that goes, uh, looking into some more coins. I know BMO is talking about BSP right now. It's not on Binance, so I'll have to get a different uh, yeah. exchange to look into that. But um, FEG, another one that's being uh, talked about. I think about another one to look at is Algo as well. Algo, everyone seems to be liking. Um, so yeah, there's yeah, a lot of coins out there. Yeah, there's a do research. Yeah, so what do you what are you thinking? Like, what's like your positions in? Like, what are you gonna do for OTC this week? What are you gonna do for uh, crypto? This so week? right now with crypto, I'm I'm still really bullish on ETH, Ethereum. So I got my coin in Ethereum. I got a pretty low buy price, so I I love, I love the usability cases of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna hold that long term. I'll probably hold that for like over a year. Mm -hmm. um, I like One Harmony. I'm gonna hold on to that. See how that plays out. I like Algo. I love how the Trading Boulevard guys are really bullish on Algo. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to be looking to adding some Algo. I do like Cardano as well. My mom actually bought some Cardano. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So I like Cardano. Also, the one we didn't talk about, BNB. Oh, The BNB. Binance coin. Oh, yeah. I love the Binance coin. I do like the Binance coin. Also, like, Binance literally makes it so you have to use Binance coins to transfer to your trust wallet or your crypto wallet in order to buy these altcoins. It's a great so utility like, coin. It's a great yeah, utility coin. Like, there's a use case for BNB. A, yeah, there's a use case for BNB. So I, I think BNB is going nowhere. Um, I think it's at a good buy point right now, too. I think it's in the mm -hmm. high 500s. Well, interesting news again about the crypto world. Uh, there's like the rumor that the uh, IRS and uh, the Department of Justice is going to investigate Binance. Investigate yeah, Tax evasion and like, money laundering, things like that. I think it's going to go anywhere because, first of all, decentralized network so like how are they going to trace these transactions first well you can trace the transactions but you don't know where they came from so i, I, I don't see how anything's going to come out of this investigation well yes the only i i mean i don't think it's going to go anywhere either but i guess the fear is that it would shut down the exchange was like all right we can't prevent money laundering and tax evasion therefore we'll shut it down i don't think it's going to happen though i think that binance is going to be around well if they did do that they'd have to at least give you the opportunity to withdraw your currency right I don't know. Don't it's an to, asset. But is it regulated? <laughs> you know? It, it's, um, again, it's, it's the wild west of investing, is crypto. Yeah, but as far as coin goes, yeah, it's one, BNB, Ethereum, looking into adding Algo. Um, what other coins are there? 
I mean, there's Cardano, light. yeah. I think Cardano's, yeah. I should look into adding that. People like Litecoin, but I don't really know much about it. Litecoin, yeah. LTC. LTC, is that the one at like 300? It's above 300? Yeah, it's like three something. Yeah. Um, OTC. I'm actually really considering adding VNUE. Okay. VNU. Uh, there's a lot yeah, of a, good a lot of good accounts are adding it. Super low flow, great CEO. I think they have a good product. So I'm gonna be looking to adding some VNU. Um, GGII, I just can't justify adding at this point. It's already ran so much. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, teach their own. Look more to the the share structure on that one. Yeah, and again, that's another that's a reverse merger. You know, Hempaco is gonna go into that ticker. Yeah, you gotta be careful with that. Um, yeah. GBSI, I'd like to add more. If it, I think if it goes anywhere near 0.035, I'm going to be adding. Because mm -hmm. um, like you said, George Sharp's going to be releasing files any day. Mm -hmm. um, what else OTC-wise? Bamonte, you're definitely going to be looking to add. If it, if it breaks 0.70, I'm going to be adding like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see nothing but upside with that company. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, cool, yeah. It's a lot of good things to look at right now. Yeah. Market was down a little, a lot of good buying opportunities. I think the NASDAQ, there's a ton of buying opportunities. Yeah, Penn Gaming is down a lot from its highs. Penn Gaming's down, DraftKings was down, Planter, um, bunch of them. Yeah, I saw Penn if Gaming. Along, if you're one to long hold any of those NASDAQ stocks, I think you're going to make money. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, again, the tech going to go up. Tesla, and, even, is probably a good ad opportunity right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I CCIV. I was down too. Yeah, Lucid. Um, I think the merger is happening in July. At least that's when the vote's gonna happen. So, mm -hmm. so that could. Mara. What about Mara? I mean, it's a Bitcoin mining company. You know, it's up or it's down. It was up, up down a lot. lot. Of it was up a lot. Oh, of I should have bought. I think it dropped to like fifteen or something. Might even close in like the twenties. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always the market is always presenting opportunities. I guess it's just about what industry you want to be in. Uh, like what sector you think is going to grow and what company within that sector allows for the most potential upside. Yeah. So I think that pretty much concludes episode number three mm -hmm. of the Slap the Ask show. I'm Luke. That's Jimmy. We got a really exciting guest coming up for next week's episode. It's Six Cents on Twitter or at Atlin. Mm -hmm. Going to do that interview tomorrow night. It's going to be coming out next Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And this episode... You will be seen for the first time tomorrow night, which is Sunday at 9 p.m. May 17th, right? May 17th, yep. Awesome. All so, right. See you later, guys. Take care. Thanks for watching.